Let's open with a word of prayer. Our God, our Father, we're grateful and undeserving of all the provisions you made for us this week. Our prayer for this morning's forum, as it was for our morning lessons, is that your spirit would work, that we would learn about your word, of your word, and that uh, what we may not know or what we may not do, you would teach us and you would lead us, and that uh, minds and behaviors and uh, some of our habits uh, could change or we could learn and evolve in knowing how we can best learn of your word and study your word in the myriad of ways that you've made this amazing mind um, and spirit be able to take in all that you have for us as we do all of the other uh, media and information in this world that your your holy word would also be um, in impressed upon our hearts and that we would learn of this afternoon as well. In the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord, we pray. Amen. Hello, everybody. This morning's forum, I think I have to be within sight of our presenter tool here. This morning's forum is on the art of Bible study. So we'll go through the outline and talk about how this forum first came to be. Um, From there, at least knowing about Bible study and what we're going to look to accomplish, We'll talk about the benefits of Bible study. This is going to be um, a, a motley crew of folks who are both here in person, those who might listen online, um, to get everyone on the same baseline. There's going to be folks that have studied God's Word for years, or those who are just recently introduced to God's Word, the power of it, the depth and breadth of it, that um, It's going to be sort of a juggling act to both bring folks up to speed and maybe give some pointers to those who have studied God's Word all your lives. So we'll talk about the benefits first so that those who are new can understand really what the power of it is. Then we'll talk about an overview of the Bible. A lot of you already know what the Bible is and how it's broken down into uh, certain pieces, parts, but to at least get a sense and make it make uh, more sense on a personal level to us instead of this big intimidating book that sits on the shelf and you wonder, how exactly do I get started? And we'll talk about the fundamentals of Bible study. This can be applied to regular study, but most of it's going to be in God's Word and some of the techniques uh, that were found or suggested to me uh, by either the committee or just things I've found um, in what they would like to be presented in this forum, and then how to get started in Bible study, different techniques, and how to set apart uh, our time and ways of doing that. And then, of course, the tools. So those who aren't technical, um, like myself, it took me an extra two or three minutes to get even the projector figured out. Um, There are tools that are very advanced. There are tools that are very simple. And we'll probably have time for a demo as well towards the end and then a discussion. So the first part's going to be a monologue. You can enjoy uh, the air conditioning and the dulcet tones of my voice and drawn it all out until the very end where hopefully we'll get even more value because we'll have at least one or two people from the audience share uh, what study means to them in form or what they've learned over the years works best. And again, it, it is an imperfect science. It is a very personal um, art. So rather than prescribing, do this, do this, do this, and all of your study will be done, um, this is going to be more of what it means to you and to hear accounts of others rather than just what was found or provided or suggested for this forum uh, should do, hopefully, more than just one person speaking uh, in one direction. So some of the common questions, concerns folks have, have, uh, have had about having this study, and we'll talk about, again, the genesis of this. Um, comments could be, you know what, I believe in Jesus, so why should I study? I know what I need to know, right? So the Bible is just for the purists or the uh, theologians and the folks who want to know everything about everything, um, which is impossible and sort of a cop-out um, to, to think of it in that term, but it's, it's very easy to think of it in terms like that, to say, I've got it, I've got it in the bag, I've got enough, um, and study isn't really um, my forte. The next one, that the Bible is too intimidating, it's large, it's, it's complex to study, Um, so what do I do? How do I study? How do I start? How do I even get uh, a process going, which again is a very personal um, uh, 
aspect to all of our lives. So how did we get to this forum? Uh, to start out, it was, I guess, adjusted. There's a committee that says, okay, we need forum presenters and uh, forum topics. So I guess they found out I was coming, and uh, somebody said, Dave, would you like to do a forum? I said, sure. And they said, well, the topic we have that does not have a presenter is on Bible study. And I thought, all right. So I'm going to be as much a student as I am the presenter or teacher um, in this because I do not have a formalized regimen or standard for Bible study. So again, don't think of me as teaching this forum. It is presenting it and hopefully getting more insights from you as well. So I got the email. They asked for a presenter. The initial idea was the importance of daily Bible study with a sub-suggestion of reading and the importance of reading the whole Bible. Perhaps a related but separate form topic could be how to study your Bible. So they they gave kind of a um, general feel for what the committee wanted to present at camp. So what I did is put together as best I could daily Bible study and then reading the whole Bible, and I took it to North Phoenix Church on a Wednesday night. So the way we have Wednesday night um, services is every other Wednesday is a ministering brother, and on the alternate Wednesdays, one of the brothers from the congregation is asked to present as a discipleship, to disciple each other, give opportunity for uh, public speaking and being able to share God's word from those who might not be set aside to do it on a regular basis, um, but just any brother. So I took one of my, I took my next Wednesday night and said, here is the importance of daily Bible study and the importance of reading the whole Bible. And the feedback from our Wednesday night discipleship was that, you know what, daily Bible study is important, but perhaps we talk about all the different ways we do it. Because I could think of a sister in the back that said, yeah, but I do devotions every morning and my aim isn't to get through the whole Bible. And another person said, I don't read it daily, but when I get to a certain topic and I study it, that would be helpful to talk about. So it started opening up, which is great for somebody trying to organize all these thoughts, but it went from a very um, specific daily Bible study to it's not that kind of a science, it's an art. It is personal. It is putting ideas out there, letting the Holy Spirit work in everybody's schedule and time and, and uh, the different things that push and pull in the way the brain works. Some people wanted to... They like to write things down and not hear it. Others love to hear it, and they're terrible at writing. And you can't see that on the recording, but there's someone in their room that raised their hand. So there's different, there's different ways to approach this. So when we took it back to the committee, they said, great. In fact, we are thankful that it was presented to a church to get more feedback than just one central idea, and that's how we'll start, is saying that there's benefits to church feedback on if we do start a group Bible study, which we'll highlight in a bullet point a little bit later. It's good to get the feedback of not just church leadership, but the church in general, if you do have in your local fellowship those kinds of situations, or to start them up and have conversations about the benefit of Bible study, both individual and corporate. So again, this is a student-led forum, because uh, as anybody would tell you after speaking to my wife about me, I do not have any kind of regular study habits. And I usually go where the Spirit leads and read either in depth at times or shallow. It's all across the board, so this was very helpful to me. So let's get started. That first question that I had mentioned in the outline is, I believe in Jesus, so why should I study or continue to study? Because I think I understand what the Bible is trying to share. Well, first of all, the Word of God teaches. So we are always learning. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All of the Scripture, breathed out by God, profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, uh, equipped for every good work. I think that's the ESV, and we'll talk about uh, different translations. It, the Word of God assures of salvation. When you have um, an assurance of salvation, Romans 10, 17. Faith cometh. Mentioned that earlier this week. Faith is important to us. We always want to side with faith. That faith 
in God and faith in Christ Jesus is what saves, where do we get faith from? From hearing and hearing the word of God, which is what this forum is about. The word of God gauges your heart. If you study it, it gives you sort of that barometer, that sense of um, discerning your thoughts and intentions, Hebrews 4.12. And I should probably read it for those who aren't here in person looking at this. The word of God is living, active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing and dividing spirit and joints and marrow and discerning the thoughts in your heart and the intentions of your heart to bring you back and keep you um, in check, if you will. The word of God sanctifies. It sets you apart. John 17, 17. Sanctify them through thy truth. And what is truth? Thy word, the Holy Bible. It helps you know God. John 14, 21. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them is he that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father. And I will love him and will manifest myself to him. That's, that's an amazing promise. And by, wording, by reading the word of God, we'll know him. And then, of course, it's even hard to quantify with one scripture. The word of God gives wisdom and insight. Um, years of experience and life and, and hard knocks in time and chance that happens to all of us. The wisdom you can get from some of the books is invaluable to know exactly um, what true knowledge is and true life is without having to go through difficult times um, to experience them. And then finally, a theme verse would be to, uh, to read 2 Timothy 2.15. Do your best, which would include study, to present yourself to God as one who is approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed and rightly handles the word of truth. And to be able to rightly handle something like any kind of weapon or sword, you need training. You need to be able to know how to wield it. All right. So studying God's word, it is large. It's complex, intimidating. There are a number of books in one book, and it would help to have an overview or a refresher for those who have known it for years. The idea of this overview is to make the word of God um, approachable. It's something that is complex, but if you can be intimate with it, if it can be in your heart, then it, it's easier to understand. When you have a history teacher in school, or if you're homeschooled, if, if mom were to give you just a bunch of outlines and, and it's, there's no real um, application to it, no real understanding of it, versus those great science teachers and history teachers I've had that lays out here is the full story or, or gives you a background to something um, that is uh, beneficial to make it intimate. Oh, there it is. Um, to replace the intimidation with intimacy in your heart. We'll talk now about Bible delineation, that instead of thinking of it as one book, and I've got to start from the first page and get through to the end, like any other nonfiction work, to treat it like that is a disservice. And that we really want to be able to break down the Bible before we get into studying it so it's less intimidating. So we all know about the Testaments. If you don't, there are two of them, old and new. All right, we got that out of the way. It is fundamental to understanding the Bible because we have um, the old uh, before Christ and then the Testament of Christ and the promise um, to everyone rather than just God's chosen people. Then books. There are 66 books in the Bible. And for those who only came for what I tried as the hook and teaser to get you to be able to memorize the order of the books in the New Testament, um, that'll come a little bit later, because I don't want to lead with that and then have a mass exodus. Okay, we got it. On to the next forum. They probably haven't started yet. But there are 66 books. Um, it is the most common way uh, folks break down the Bible. Uh, certainly on Sunday mornings, you, that, that's the delineation you hear is the book, and then here it comes, the chapters. 1,100 plus chapters in the Bible, and then verses get even more granular, and sometimes that's difficult to categorize. So what, I wanted, what, what we want to do in this forum is sort of raise it up even to a higher level than books and give a generalization of when you crack open the book, rather than thinking, I'm in this book, so it means this, there's even broader categories to help you understand the Bible. Number one would be the themes the themes of the Bible. When you start reading that you get a sense for what it is that's being shared 
um, overall in that section. Um, the next would be the audience. Who is the Bible speaking to at any point in time? And then we'll talk about the categories of the books of the Bible or genres, if you want to sound important and use French or whatever genre is. I don't know. I just know it makes you seem sophisticated. And that is to put the books at a higher level of content of context. So theme. Oh, shoot. All right. So those who are listening on the recording, um, think about what major themes of the Bible are. And for those who are looking at the slide that I accidentally threw um, on the first bullet point, I, I want to get the uh, group here's thoughts on what are some of the major themes, and I'll repeat them for the sake of the recording. And, and I've asked this of a couple people, and you can get it online. What's the theme of the Bible? But the most common one, and you can shout it out if you saw it, that's fine. Redemption. Redemption. You can't summarize the Bible in just one word. You can in a, in a, in a name perhaps, but redemption is a big one. And so that's the overall theme of the Bible. And then when you read a certain point to really think about how it fits into redemption. So I'll just go through the themes for the sake of time. I will talk quickly to give a chance for some of you to speak. Again, I'm pretty good at fitting an hour of content into half an hour versus some who can take 10 minutes and make it an hour. Um, I'll try to keep up the pace and keep thoughts in your head. If you do want to share something, we'll pass out the mic at the end. The nature of God. One of the themes of the Bible is to teach us what the nature of God is. So between being a a trinity, between um, being loving and yet righteous and all-powerful, God in, um, in itself is a theme. Then there's the law. Um, We see that really throughout the Old Testament and then how it is um, treated in the New Testament. Covenants, um, what a covenant means. There's curse. That's one of the major themes with sin and disobedience. And then the opposite of that, a cursing would be blessing. So we have faith, obedience, things that come from the blessing side of things. And then another major theme would be, of course, Christ, Messiah, the sacrifice for sin. And then finally, uh, a major theme is kingdom, future glory, which Christ talks of that kingdom um, in the Gospels, and then we certainly uh, get a feel for it in Daniel and the Revelation. All right. Another way for Bible study to break down is who is the author and or speaker addressing, and there's um, a few. Usually when you're reading, there's someone who's going to be addressed, and it's either going to be Jews or it's going to be the church in the New Testament. It'll be Gentiles, or it'll be individual believers. So now we'll get to book categories. So when you open up, as opposed to thinking of a book as, okay, I have to remember what each book means, hopefully this part will give you a sense of, when you open the book, you get a sense of where you have fallen in groups of books. So, all right. Does anybody know in the category of uh, Bible books, what the first one is? The law. And how many are there? There's five. I won't ask you to recite them. I'll ask you to recite the New Testament later on. But the first five are the Torah. The Pentateuch is the, is the fancier word. The law of, that is handed down by God. The second category. History. So, this is where people get hung up, is if you start from page one to page, depending on if you have large print or fine print page, whatever, folks go to law, then they go to history, which is critical to understand what the rest of it means, but it goes five books, then 12, then five, then 12. We'll get to that in a second. So it's law five, history, so think five, 12, and then there's five books of Poetry, that's a good way to describe it. Wisdom and poetry. It's also song, because not only is it um, like a song of Solomon, but the Psalms were sung, were um, musical. The ones that David wrote or unknown authors wrote, you can think that they actually had rhyme and reason and how you can get Hebrew to rhyme if you've ever heard somebody reciting it. It's, it's, it's a course, well, a lot of you are German, so you're used to harsh languages, but if you had to think that they put it to song thousands of years ago, it's fascinating that it wasn't just poetry, it wasn't just 
it was actually with a uh, musical instrument of the day. Ne okay, next up. So that's five. Five books of wisdom and poetry. Um, prophets. That's right. So after getting the knowledge from David and, and Solomon um, and the uh, preacher, Ecclesiastes, we have um, prophets, major and minor. So don't ever think, okay, I'm on a minor prophet, so it's minor in importance or relatability. It is minor, typically thought of because of the size of the books or the size of the prophecy. So it's, it's a number of smaller um, prophetic um, people. However, it's the book typically thought of as being major and minor. All right. So that's 512, 512. That leads us to the New Testament. And for those who know, I'll let you share. What, what do you think of when you get into the New Testament, what those categories would be that you're landing on? Gospels. Very good. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And you have to remember those four, if the mnemonic, mnemonic that we'll do for remembering the book orders, um, that's all I ask is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, we'll get to that in a second. That I know you're just all clamoring for it. I could tell. Next up. What do we have after Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? Which is history of the apostles, the actions, the things they do. So when you hit Acts, it's, the, it's as if you had your own chronicle, your own Acts, the Acts of Dave, the Acts of my family, the Acts of my church, the, the actions that they took. What's next? Letters. If you want to sound um, very his, uh, accurate, you would say, epistles, and if you want to sound grammatically correct, you would say epistles, right? Because T is silent. You don't say whistle. You say whistle. You say apostle, not a pistol, because um, we don't take up arms. Okay, next one. <laughs> oh, okay, so I'll let you share. What do you think the, the last category would be? So you've been through the letters, the letters written by Paul, the letters written generally to a church or to specific, um, to specific leaders. Then you come to, what's the last category? Prophecy, apocalyptic. So we have which book or books? The Revelation and which other one? Daniel. When you're in the Old Testament, they also get a glimpse of prophecy, like big, like apocalyptic, read it if you haven't. Daniel is sort of like the revelation of St. John the Divine. Here they are illustrated. So you've got your, if you think of it as a bookshelf, laser pointer. I don't think I've ever actually presented all these years with a laser pointer, so I'm going to be excited about this. Um, you've got your five books of the law. You've got your, so that's a Pentateuch, um, and you've got the 12 historical books, you've got your poetry and prophecy, which are the major prophets and minor prophets because they're prophesying. That's where you get prophets from. And then your gospels, the Acts of the Apostles, Paul's letters, general letters, and Revelation. I thought a laser pointer would be more fun than that, but oh well. Something for the kids to play with. So, what do I do? We're here for Bible study. How do I study? Is it like school? Is it like work when I'm learning something? Here are some fundamentals and ideas. Um, and the most common one online is called inductive Bible study. Three syllables sounds fancy, but really it's three concepts of when you study the word, when you study the word, that you have three different ways um, or three different major steps. If there's anybody familiar with inductive, don't feel bad if you throw out a wrong answer, but what would be the first step in inductive if you do know, if you've followed this process? The first is observation. The second is interpretation. And the third is application. Let's go through these. Observation. You open, and it's okay to be sort of a... a even, even if you're trying to get a sense of where do I want to start and you're a cracker, you're just, okay, I'm going to start somewhere without any particular and when I'm short on time um, or short on inspiration and you just open up, you do want to ask, what is this passage saying overall? What is the general message for it? And then you want to reread it 
and then observe that part of observation where you're establishing context and you're doing like any journalist or anyone trying to ask uh, the W's. Who? Who's speaking? Who are they speaking to? Was it one of those where it's the Jews, the church, the Gentiles, an individual? Or um, with who they're speaking to, what's the subject? What are they speaking on? What's the event going on? What theme are you in in the Bible? And what is the lesson, if you're familiar with it already, trying to teach? Then when is it happening? Time period. What happened before? What happened just after? And there are tools to help with this. This is all not stuff that I or very many other people, I imagine, unless I'm alone, know all this stuff intrinsically or I've already gone through the entire study of everything in the Bible. So to use tools is very helpful. The where, the geography, to know when someone says it's um, you know the tribe of Judah and where they are or it's where armies were fighting from. It's helpful to know geography, and there's maps to help you do that. And then finally, the why. You're observing what's the purpose here, uh, what's a deeper meaning, uh, and then we'll get into the interpretation in a moment. And then observe motives. So when, um, when we have an account in 1 Peter 3.16, there's an admission here that there are some things, and he was talking about Paul's letters a few verses earlier, there are some things Paul wrote that are simply hard to understand that ignorant or unstable people simply twist to their own destruction um, as they do to other scriptures. So we do just have to be wary of making at least an effort to understand more than just surface, surface level. Here's where interpretation comes in. So observation, now interpretation is being inductive. What does it mean? Now we're getting into the deeper meaning uh, from just observing it. Contextually, contextual interpretation, that's a lot of syllables. All that means is in the context of reading something, like in a science book or even a, even a recipe. If you start in the middle somewhere, what are we really making? You know, you're telling me flour and sugar, but are we making cookies? Or are we, I don't know anything about cookies. What else has flour and sugar? Are we making cake, bread? Oh, even, even better. What's something not as good with like flour and sugar and something else? I don't know. But the point is, you really want to know what you're making because if you just start looking in the middle of the recipe and you don't have the what, the why, that you don't have context of why you're putting sugar and flour together. So here we come with cross-references. This is where the Bible is unlike any other just nonfiction work is because of you have prophecy going forward. You have callbacks and things that it's referring to in the past. Um, you need to understand the context and what words mean back in the day as opposed to just today. And that's where multiple Bible versions come in. Now, there's also the literal interpretation. If you want to go back to the Greek or the Hebrew um, of the time uh, or Aramaic or whatever, uh, to literally interpret what they meant back then, um, is also a way to interpret meaning when you're doing an in-depth study. Um, and then finally, I think it's the last point on interpretation, is observing it against the full word of God, is understanding the full context of where it fits in, which goes back to those themes that we'd covered earlier. And it keeps you from taking things out of context by just saying, oh, Christ says he's a door. Okay, well, Christ also says he's a vine. And if you just think of it as terms of a door or a vine, was he a door? Was he a vine? Literally, you have to understand it in the terms of Christ and who he is and what he meant at the time. Finally, commentaries. They are wonderful. A lot of them are vetted. And if they're published, they've been through some scrutiny. Hopefully, it's just not enough so that it's enticing and they can get a lot of copies sold and revenue from it. But you really want to... When you're using comedy, uh, comedies, commentaries, some are comedies, um, that, you, that you establish them in your heart as secondary, as ancillary, as help, but there is always a need to come back to the contextualized interpretation, fancy word to say, is it supported by the rest of Scripture and held up to the scrutiny of, of what we believe. Finally, application. So we have observation, interpretation, and then inductive brings us to 
application. Application, four syllables, long word. It just means apply. It just means, okay, you've observed it, you've interpreted it and what it means, and now how do you apply it? Actionable, action items. For those in the business world, when someone says, okay, at the end of the meeting, you think you've learned everything, you've everything done, and they say, okay, what are our takeaways? What are our action items? And I'm like, ugh, I actually have to do something with this information. Well, in terms of Bible study, you really should. That's how you make it a living and breathing part of your life. What am I going to do about what I just studied? Wherever it is, whatever it is, how do I apply it? So knowing what it says and what it means means applying it in a way that's, number one, there's, there's going to be a lot of P's in this because people like, um, is it alliteration? We use the same letter all the time. I think that's the word. English teachers, am I right? Okay, alliteration. That it's personal. What does this study mean to me? That you personalize it. And that it's practical. What can I actually take away from what I just studied? Um, and what can it change in my life? How can I let the Lord guide me through what I have um, observed and interpreted and, and now can apply? Is it provable? Do you actually, for those who have smart goals in the business world, where it has to be specific, measurable, actionable, um, realistic, and time-bound, make it time-bound. What is something that can be provable? You know what? In three months, I want to be able to say this part of my life has changed or this attitude towards this person or thing or concept has been moved. Set timelines and guidelines in the small things um, and then work your way up to the big things because just try to quit cold turkey um, or try to change cold turkey can be difficult. The bad habits start small. No junkie ever starts with just a needle and, and, and going to town with the hard stuff. It's always the small stuff that creeps in. It's always those things that, that slowly take over, like a cancer, with the bad uh, habits and things that we have. So it's starting slow and asking, how can I prove that this is actually um, being applied and working in my life? So it's establishing goals. Um, and then finally, simply applying even one thing is better than having a ton of knowledge with no application. Okay, so the most common question, how do I start? Because when you're young in the faith, like I did, you start from page one and try to see what you can uh, accomplish by getting through the Torah and then the history, and it gets difficult. So should I start there? How do I get started? The most important way of any Bible study when you sit down and get started, is prayer. So more important even than where you decided to start for yourself is not where you're starting, but how you're starting. Invite God's presence and his guidance and the Spirit's leading. Open, opening with prayer is, is allowing for wisdom, asking for wisdom and discernment for what you're reading and to open your eyes to observe the wondrous things out of God's law. Psalm 119. Then place. And I do not have a place. I, wow. I do have another place for the microphone, hopefully. I don't personally have a place, but it's a good thing for me to really consider doing in the hustle and bustle of our home is figure out a place to set aside for devotions and establish the habits of physically moving myself to a place can then help me uh, perhaps focus. And then time actually having the time. And uh, the first step is having that time allows for consistent habit. Uh, a lot of people do it first thing in the morning. I do nothing first thing in the morning. I end up, by the time I'm really awake, I'm, I'm at my desk doing something. Uh, so it's probably evening for me, and it always is. Um, but having a consistent time does help with habits. This next bullet point um, touched a couple people, and me as well, because it was, it was pretty neat and I didn't think about it. Um, so if there's any benefit from this, here's one that your presenter took away from it, is I always thought when I, when I want to study, I'm going to give it 60 minutes. I'm going to give God's word 60 minutes of my time. So I, I uh, say, okay, at 8 o'clock, I'm going to study, and by the time Laura puts the kids to bed, it's not an excuse not to put them to bed. I love reading them stories and praying with them. But it's like, okay, 8 to 9. I'm like, okay. Okay, it's 8.10, read, 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 8.15, still 8.15, still 8.14, wow. So watching the clock 
is what in the back of my mind my focus is. Because at work, I have to be sure I'm at the next meeting. I have to be sure I'm here on time to present my forum. You're clock watching as opposed to setting an alarm. That's a benefit of technology. I think even flip phones can do, a time, most of them can do like a timer and say 60 minutes and you set it and forget it. And then when that hour comes, and then you can hit snooze in a good way. I've never used snooze in a way that wasn't to just keep sleeping, which is a, probably a negative thing from health and, and priorities, but to snooze to give more time. So I'm not watching the clock. I think that was a good one. And then the question with how do I get started, do you start at Genesis 1-1? So um, for some it's yes, for others you have to understand it's not a traditional work of truth, of, of a real event of nonfiction. Um, it is non-traditional. So things like prophecy and historical forms and, and things that now are made new in the, in the New Testament, it's, it's difficult to sort of say this is just any kind of standard history book that goes from cover to cover. It, it is at times more complex than that. So, so to start from Genesis 1-1, um, if you've been as frustrated as, as I have when you get through some of the, I remember reading this story a couple days ago. Oh, yeah, some of the history is repeated. Um, it, it can get frustrating. So now methods. Um, we talked about some of the sort of how to approach and how to start. So let's talk about some of the methods we found. Studying a book. This one's obvious. If you have some uh, tools before a, a Bible book starts, you have a summary there. A lot of it is electronic. Um, my Bible also has summaries. So you can study just a book, just Esther as a book, just one epistle as a book, um, then chapters. This one is a little bit more difficult because you do need that context before and after. What's been said many times is when a chapter starts with therefore, you have to find what the therefore is therefore. So you have to go back in the prior chapter, and say, therefore, well, okay, there, what is there? So find out what the therefore is there for. Um, reread a chapter. That's part of getting it to sink in, is read it more than once, and read it out loud. Um, it's difficult if it's embarrassing with your kids in a room saying, okay, daddy, who are you reading to? The auditory sense of and, and verbalizing it um, does have an impact, and I've done it uh, on occasion myself. And of course, when you're doing a chapter study, multiple translations help as well. And then there's a method of going verse by verse breakdown. By the way, I should have, how long do we get? You didn't set a timer? I didn't set a timer. Good one. All right, so Brother Roy will keep track of what our time is here, and I apologize if I do go over, because um, I'm going to try to get through all this. Then there's a word study, understanding what the original translation is um, of a word. And again, if you're reading the King James Version, it's what words meant in, seventh, in the 17th century. Um, it can be sometimes different than it is today. There's uh, Strong's Concordance. Strong put together um, every word in Hebrew and Greek and gave it a number so you can see where that word occurs elsewhere. That helps with word study. That helps understanding what evil might mean, whether it's, it's written in... Uh, Joshua 24:15, or it's written further on in the chapter, and then figure out the context. Because like English, different words can mean different things. Topic studies. So there's many topics in the Bible, um, and the different translations help, because sometimes if you're just doing a word search, another translation might have the word you're really looking for, like in the ESV or the NIV or, um, or the New King James Version. Um, that really helps because it helps you figure out more of a topic than just a particular word. And then Bible characters. Bible characters to figure out what did they do, who are they, and get more than just their name. And know that some people have the same name like they do today. And I've had a few this week myself that you have to really keep track sometimes with the help of tools who you're really reading about. So you get their traits, strengths, weaknesses, and what they did for a living. And again, you don't want to conflate or confuse two different people when you're reading it. Another method is word emphasis. I'll do this quickly. Um, Philippians 3.1 is, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. And as you're reading that verse, to focus on each word. Finally, my brethren. So it's a finality. It's, it's sort of what, what he's writing to that church to say, this is my last point. Finally, my brethren. Finally, my brethren. So you're figuring out who he's talking to. What to do. 
rejoice in the Lord. There's another emphasis on that one verse and then being in the Lord. And finally, what is the focus here? That all glory would be to God. So those are the Strong's numbers and you can kind of figure out what was being said there back and forth at the very, oh, it's cut off. I thought it might be. So there's a G and a number at the very bottom. Trust me on that one. You'll see it in the presentation afterwards. Specific methods. So um, one that was given to me are the five P's. So for those who are writing it down and you have a pen with you, I don't take a pen nearly anywhere. So that's a great habit to have. But these five P's um, to either get this presentation later, if, unless you can remember them, they are uh, a clever method. The first P is position. When you study position to hear yourself, uh, to hear from the Word of God, so positioning yourself both with prayer and, and being ready um, in your heart, and that's the Lord to prepare you. P is to pour. The next one is to actually pour over the, the passage, then take the paraphrasing, figure out the main themes of that passage. The next one is to pull. Then you're pulling out principles. You want to pose questions, questions for yourself, as opposed to having a, a pastor do it or someone from a teaching position. Ask yourself questions that are difficult. Um, and then plan. That's, that's the application. Remember, the observation, interpretation, application. Here's the application. Plan to obey. Plan to apply and set dates. And there's a, vi there's a video there as well for that particular theme. And then there's an example application here for those who look at this um, theme later. And that's actually using uh, 1 Thessalonians 1, 8 through 10. And then going through examples of positioning, pouring, pulling, posing, and planning. Topic studies. At times, if, if a book uh, might take too long um, or a word might be too quick to study, you can study things like miracles. You can study one of the poems or one piece of wisdom from the Psalms or Proverbs. Study a prayer. There's a list of prayers in the Bible. Parables, which we uh, often do on Sunday mornings, but to study it for yourself uh, is also applicable, especially with all the tools we have available um, to interpret them. Beatitudes, and then all the New Testament forms and types. So when things are alluded to or things are foreshadowed, it's seeing forms in the Old Testament and what has come of it. And always at Christmas time in church from the pew, you'll get, okay, we have these um, uh, future forms that would occur in Bethlehem, but there's a number of other forms that occur throughout the Bible. So what are some techniques to use? Paraphrasing or rewording. So when you study, you can change words to make them make sense to you. I do that all the time, and it really helps. Uh, use common language, common parlance, which isn't a common word at all, but using common parlance is actually making it personal, making it today. When you see lawyer speak, you can make it into, or doctor speak, you can say, look, you're sick, you need to get help, as opposed to saying you have something, something-itis. I mean, it's really a, rewording things to make it real to you. Um, carry it with you. In the Old Testament, they carry phylacteries. If anybody knows what that is, they'd put like a book with words in their forehead and on their arm, and they carry God's word with them. We have post-it notes. We have something more reasonable. We have writing it down, putting it on the fridge, putting it on the, the nightstand, putting it on the uh, medicine cabinet, and actually having it in front of you. And again, um, another technique is simply ignoring where chapters and verses break up, and just reading what the letter was trying to write, um, and that's the whole therefore thing again. Um, I've covered speaking it out loud. Um, it's awkward at first, but it really does help things sink in when you hear it in your own voice. Um, the impact can be audible, emotional, real. Listening to scripture. On the internet, there are um, actual recordings of powerful speakers um, Scarby, I think, is one, and they actually, you know, with a booming voice, uh, read scripture. There's the different kinds of um, voice actors and dramatized. We have a woman's voice for a woman and a, and a strange voice for, for God that really stands out um, and things like that. And then when you have the animals talking, it's, it's neat. They can dramatize it and still read word for word. Um, writing down, one, one of the members of, of North Phoenix said, 
Writing down is like a different kind of memory. When you actually have to write something, and I don't do that, because uh, I, I said after college I'm never writing anything down ever again. It didn't last very long, but to write things down goes from your brain to paper, and it does help, and they found that it's a powerful technique to retain and actually remember things. So to write down three or five points of songs, sermons, um, the gifts that God's given you, things you realize, and journaling, like a diary, um, like keeping um, some of the musics and, so- and songs that have touched you, uh, sermons, personal accounts, same types of things, uh, to journal your life story and apply God's word that you just studied to it. Group study. If you don't have one um, in your congregation, you can at least have a conversation about it, try to get it started. But again, no perfect method, uh, no perfect combination exists for technique. Um, a gentleman, Dylan Burroughs, actually wrote the Bible by hand and thought, okay, if I write every word of the Bible with my hand, that'll be the perfect technique. Took him almost 900 days, and at the end of it, he said he had a prayer, and that was it. Very little emotion. It was just done. So even doing what I would think would be the ultimate in writing everything down um, wasn't necessarily the best for, for him. Memorizing. Here we go. The typical things we do in school, flashcards, remembering the New Testament um, in music and song, creating stories. And so folks do this with memory tricks. You know, you think baby stroller, so B would be whatever, and then you go through the room, and then you kind of picture this visual. And mnemonics, which we'll do right now for the New Testament, which I talked about. How are we on time? Oh, good. Here's the memorization trick I promised all of you. All right, so it's a story. It's a story to remember all the New Testament books and their order. First up, well, let me give you, again, application of giving you a theme. The theme is you are at church on Sunday, but you got to go see the two wrestling matches that are occurring later in the day. Bear with me. You're at church, and you're going to go to wrestling matches later. All right, so you're in church with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Just remember that. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in church. Service wraps up. That'd be wonderful. With those four apostles, great. And as you're walking out the church, you see the emergency axe on the wall. Because if there's a fire, they have it towards entrances. Now, you think, oh, axe, battle, the wrestling matches. That's right. Got ahead of the wrestling match. Before you get to the wrestling match, you need concessions, right? You need your drink. You need your popcorn. So, you walk out, and you see the soda machine. It's RC Cola. Bear with me. It's not a, this is a high school. You don't have Pepsi or Coke. Royal Crown Cola. All right. You ever see it at Walmart? More of a discount in the machine out there. Royal Crown. We have at least one fan here. Good. And actually, I like it as well. Royal Crown Cola. Get your Royal Crown Cola. You're about to head to the concession stand. Oh, there's the RC Cola. Next up, you're about to get, what do you do when you see a, a show or an event? You go get your popcorn and you see a giant eating popcorn. It's a stretch, yes, but it's a wrestling match. And if you've ever seen wrestlers, big guys eating popcorn. Giant eating popcorn. So, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, you see the axe walking out. You need to go to the wrestling. You get your RC Cola, and you get a giant eating popcorn. Forget it. I'm just going to go to the wrestling match. Now, two matches. First one. It's actually a tie. Their names are Tim. These Tims tie. All right, Tim and Tim, an athlete and an actor, I did my best. All right, these Tim's tie. All right, missed it. It was a tie, apparently. Next one, all right, it's the battle of Philemon against James. Just remember those two names, Philemon and James. Who wins? (laughs) Well, between Philemon and James, Philemon wins because... He brews James. He brews James. All right? He brews James Philemon. All right. Then two wrestling matches are over. That's all you had to remember. Two wrestling matches. You go home, you put on your PJs. Then it's, really, it's, it's the Revelation, so that one's easy. Okay. As long as you know at the end, Revelation Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you might be good. So let's recap. Let's actually put books of the Bible to those. 
You're in the church. Yeah, now let's actually apply it. Exactly. This is the application. You observed. You interpreted. Let's go back to that story. You're in the church. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, R.C. Cola, Romans, Corinthians, Corinthians, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, R.C. Cola. Then you get popcorn. Giant, Galatians. Eating, Ephesians. Pop, Philippians. Corn, Colossians. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. These, these, Tim's tie, these Thessalonians, Timothy's, these Tim's, Titus. All right. Wrestling match. Yeah. Roy's alarm went off, thank you. Philemon wins because Philemon, he brews James. PJ's. Peter, first and second. John, first, second, third. J's. And then Jude, more than one. John, 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 Jude. And then the Revelation. All right. So, are, are we literally out of time? Because I, I am. Okay, we're not? Good. Ten minutes? Thank you. I do appreciate that. And uh, I have kids to pick up myself, or we'll figure that out. And a lot of you do as well. Daily devotions, regular scheduled times, personal time. Um, setting time aside, when you withdraw yourself, uh, when Christ withdrew himself, he often did it in the wilderness to pray. Um, ironic that I skipped past the page that said slow down. And if there's anyone who shouldn't have skipped right past that, it's me. Slow down. That came up a couple times. Just slow down. All right. Um, the Bereans had organization. They, they had a studied approach. They would hear it and actually go back and with all readiness of mind, they would hear it, but then still search the scriptures um, in, a, in a corporate way as well. So, read, know, and do. All right, we went through topical. Uh, there's comprehensive studies, related terms, reading plans. You can do daily, beginning to end, or chronological. Here are the tools. Parallel Bibles. They go through side by side. English and another translation. Very helpful. Um, my, I'll talk about one of the tools I use, Olive Tree Bible. It's got a side-by-side, so you scroll on one window, it scrolls the other window. You click, it gives you the old Hebrew, it gives you um, a number of different links. Um, dictionaries, historical accounts, there's a number of them to use, including Strong's. Concordances, they list every, and, and they used to be huge on a shelf, I remember that my dad has, but now it's all electronic. It's every time a word uh, would appear. There's topical Bibles to help you with topical study. Nave's topical is a big one. Interlinear Bibles, very cool. Olive Tree is, I believe, free on Windows and Mac, and it's like free on iOS and Android, but you pay like three bucks um, for some of the advanced stuff. Interlinear. Um, linear. They have the Greek, then the English, then the order of the Greek. Very cool to do one-to-one one study to see how they heard it in their words in their time. So Bible Handbook goes through all the books of the Bible. And then there's maps, study Bibles to help, dictionaries. There's this image. Anybody see this before? It's a visualization of every cross-reference back and forth. So it's not a perfect circle, but you see how things from the Old Testament are referenced to the New Testament, New Testament refers back. Beautiful picture of just how much there is to study and know, to know it's impossible, but how wonderful and just pictorially, visually, uh, how amazing cross-references can be. And then we all see them, because in some of our Bibles you have the cross-references there. Um, translations, talk about the differences very, very quickly. Um, you have King James Version, 1611, King James of England, that was very much word for word in the day. Now you have word for word in the New King James Version. It just uses modern English. ESV is word for word with depth of meaning, what that actually means. The NIV does thought for thought. So scholars put it at a higher level 
um, of general thought. Uh, depth of meaning is what I prefer. And then NLT is thought for thought, but then you lose kind of the beauty of the word. So there's a spectrum or a continuum. If the translation is word for word, where do you think King James Version fits? It's actually not the most word for word. That would be the Amplified, the ESV. Certainly interlinear is literally word for word. KJV falls out here. NIV halfway. And then there's the, the message, which is very much modern language. But you get a sense that there is a continuum of where translations fall. Let the Holy Spirit be your guide. Um, and then don't give up. And uh, I can demo the tool. I can demo it later if we are left with a few minutes. And I do apologize. I didn't think I had enough material to fit the whole time, even talking quickly. Is there anyone who would like to give an account of something that wasn't covered or something that has worked for them in study in their personal walk with God's Word? Oh, sorry. If you want. It's up to you. I had kind of just looked up this topic briefly once, you know, Great. try to get better at studying. And, and one thing that I read was to take a book and read it three times. And I, it's something that I found, I found helpful. All right. Thank you. I was actually asked to, uh, to share for the afternoon forum, so I, I'm sharing for the morning forum instead. Um, I, I feel like part of my passion for the, for the Word of God came from being raised in a Christian home where the Word of God was read daily and my parents loved the Lord and they instilled in us a love for learning too. Um, and I'm so grateful for that. I feel that it really shaped me in that way. Um, my favorite time of day is after the kids have left, after everyone has gone and my chores are finished, everybody is fed on the ranch and um, I can have some quiet time with the Lord and that is, that, that's my favorite time of day because I, um, I really feel that, well, there's some times when that doesn't happen and I notice how my day doesn't go the same and I'm sure my family does as well and other people that I come, come in contact with. Um, so mornings is the best time for me, but you've got to do whatever works for you. Um, and I just really feel, too, that uh, my ladies' Bible study, our ladies' Bible study at church has been very instrumental in my life in learning so much about God and about uh, what he wants for our lives um, that Bible study started about 23 years ago when um, we had toddlers in the home and um, we also had a girl from church who was in, uh, just out of high school living with us and she actually asked if we wouldn't, when we were having a biblical discussion if we couldn't start a Bible study. And out of that grew our ladies' Bible study in our church that has been hugely instrumental in growing many people's lives and discipling them. Um, some of the benefits that I've found was, um, well, we, we do different things. Sometimes we read a book of the Bible. Sometimes we read a topical book that relates to the Bible. There's times when we've done character studies, too. So, I mean, you have to just find what works for you. But um, often there's homework involved with that, and that is really good with keeping me going and learning more about the Bible. Um, there are relationships that are built, very strong relationships. We pray with each other and for each other. We keep each other accountable, which is very, very good. There's, um, um, it's intergenerational, multi-generational. So we're also following what Titus 2 says about older teaching, older women teaching younger women, um, and older women learning from younger women as well. Um, and that's been really beneficial in my life. Um, and I really just feel strongly that um, my Bible study is all about my relationship with Jesus. That, that's what my goal needs to be, to become closer to Jesus through um, understanding better his message to me through the Bible and through prayer with him. Um, 
I just wanted to reiterate to some of the things that you had said, um, Dave, about keeping God's word in your heart. Memorization is really important, but also I find that listening to Christian radio is really, really good for me to keep my mind on the Lord and listening to the music that, or you know, a, a CD or whatever, keeping um, Jesus in my heart in that way, or putting little sticky notes up or little cards, reminder cards, also to help in memorization. Um, but I find that it's really beneficial to keeping my mind on the right thing and you know where it says in uh in romans 12 2 about renewing your mind so you can be transformed and i find that that's really helpful to keep my mind on jesus throughout the day thank you sister miriam and amy anyone else a one minute i'm sorry Yes. All right. While I pull that up, should be brief. Everybody remember? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, R.C. Cola, Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, giant eating popcorn, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Then what? Two wrestling matches. Who was in the first wrestling match? These, Tim's tie. Yep, Thessalonians, Timothy, Titus. Next wrestling match? Philemon, because he brews James, PJs, and Revelation. All right, so up here I've got Olive Tree Bible Reader. Um, I downloaded it on here, so it was free for me. I've right now got the Greek interlinear, but this is the way it works. In the upper left, um, let me pick something basic. You've got categories, maps, Bibles, commentaries, cross references, devotionals. I'm going to pick a Bible and pick something simple like King James Version Strong's. So... As this comes up, I'll go to our camp theme, which is Joshua 24, 15. So we have, and if it seem evil unto you, okay, well, let's click on evil. Evil, it's strong number H7489. You can click here. Oh, and over on the right side, when I said it sinks, the cool thing is, if you want to pick something like the ESV, you've got the 15th verse here, and over on the right, it's like parallel. And if it evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, and if we pick something like the NIV, you've got a library, Bibles, NIV, Joshua 24, 15. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. So clicking on each of the words in Strong's is very neat because you get a sense of where else this, this Ra'a, which is down here, uh, a primitive root, spoil, things that are bad, morally bad, um, or literally bad. You can then click on this and search with, within ESV or King James Version every time it shows up. So um, here in Genesis, it shows up. Ra is actually, ra is actually a common word. Um, you've got Joshua, um, Judges. There's the other time later in Joshua where it says, God will turn and do you hurt as opposed to evil. So it's pretty neat how you can have hyperlinks here like it's a website, but it's all sitting on my computer. And then if I wanted to choose something other than a Bible, you go into your library and pick a commentary. So something like Matthew Henry's Concise. And by clicking here, it gives you what Matthew Henry has uh, compiled and then if you scroll up and down on the right, I think this is dual sync. It kind of syncing left, kind of moves the right. Um, so it's, it's pretty neat to have something like the King James Version to the left. And then as you scroll here, it jumps like judges to the right. This one uh, on the left does not have a summary of the books. But if you pick something like, I think, um, ESV again, It'll give you that Bible summary, ESV Strong's. Gives you an introduction to Judges. And so you can start your book study by having Olive Tree Bible Reader. It's not a paid endorsement. I don't know these folks, but I've been using it for years. On iPhone, you have your bookmarks. So if you have notes, bookmarks, it'll sync with your email address. You have to tell them something. It's not complete privacy. 
but they need a way for you to log in. And then if I put a bookmark on, on Joshua 24:15, that bookmark, that highlight those notes, go to my phone or on my computer, go on my iPad or Droid or whatever else you use. So it's a world of syncing for you and everything is synced together. And then you can kind of keep one tool, one, one application. It's got maps. So you can see Israel, Judah, all the different ways things are broken down. Um, any other thoughts before we wrap up? I do appreciate your patience and your time. And just remember, yes. Thank you. Reading plans. On my iPhone with Olive Tree, I do the daily reading. And then it reminds you, hey, you didn't read today. You didn't read for a couple days. And then if you do a daily reading plan, you can start. It could be Genesis to Revelation, or you can start wherever. And what's cool is it actually stops you. You read, 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 and then you hit maybe after Judges 1 or Matthew 4. It says you're done for the day. And if you want to squeeze another one in, you hit OK, and then you keep reading. And it says, oh, two days at once. Wow, Dave, you're really kicking it. Good job. And then it lets you read through the whole Bible if you, if you want to do that, or it just keeps your place for you. Good point. So there's Genesis to Revelation, or there's it can do it in chronological. So you put some of the, the Chronicles and First Kings together and, and does it in an order that is actually time-bound chronically versus the 66 we know and love and just memorized using the church wrestling match mnemonic. So yes, thank you. Reading plans, and some are free. All the daily ones are usually free. You gotta pay three bucks or 2.99 on the, on the app store. Right here, they've got a store. So if you click on the book, you've got all your commentaries. And of course, they wanna make money too and give the publishers their credit. Um, you can come down to the store at the bottom. There's free books. Be wary of what's free, of course, and what hasn't been um, vetted necessarily. But it's very neat and wonderful how God has allowed us to delineate using these tools. Thank you all for your participation, your prayers, and your attendance here this morning.